Welcome, dear readers, to Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we only judge a book by its cover. And we find ourselves once more amid the towering stacks of your library, cowering from the storm that still rages overhead. This it's is a, been going for a while, hasn't it? I've never seen a storm last for a week here. I uh, I know. Now, for our comfort, I've repurposed the hebdomadary paddock, and I've and I've sent them a little bit away. Those Good. horrible. They smelly. How do they smell? Bookish. Well, no. no. The, oh. the, the joke is because oh, they don't they have don't heads have and noses. Heads. Uh, how, they're, do they're they, how do they smell? Terrible. I don't know. Oh. You tell me. I have a nose. Yeah, wait, do you, Never mind. No, I get it now. Like the yes. oldest, the oldest smell joke, and okay, well, but well, the dog no, is my no, the dog is my dog has no nose. How does he smell terrible? That's the joke. Yes, no, that's, <laughs> that's that's right. See, we've been cooped up in here in the in the hebdomadary paddock, shil- the f- sheltering from. I think the, the fumes have gone to our head. And the and yeah, right. I mean, the last time that we were that we were locked in the library together for extended periods of time, like it took a, it took quite a while longer for us to to succumb to cabin fever mm. and just look at well, us. We're just we were, fighting. We, we're in the uh, well. We don't we don't have the luxury of the uh, kitchen that the uh, the visitor center, center provided. No, that's and, like, right. We are stuck here cooking on what I presume is hebdomadary droppings. Yes. I mean, I don't know how you managed to dry them out in this weather, but... Yeah. Successfully. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what's causing the smell, but also that could be the burning. But yeah. Um, Look, we just... We, we're we, warm. The books are fine. You know, a bit of wilderness spirit. We, we make do with... Yeah, I'm not very good right. with wilderness spirit. I like creature comforts. I mean, the creatures are over there. They, they yes, are, and they're not very comfortable, so... Well, that's... At least we haven't, we haven't been desperate enough to actually try and eat a hebdomadary, because I'm no. not ready for that. No, and I don't think we can distill them either. Whoa. Concentrated hebdomadary doesn't sound like a good thing. <laughs> no. I understand your your need for creature comfort and so uh, uh, like as you can see I've got my I've got my traveling clothes on. Mm. Right? I've put aside my comfortable junior librarian uh, tweed romper in yeah. exchange for some more rugged like outdoorsy ranging clothes. Yes. Uh, and Sleeveless I've, corduroy. In my new sort of traveling outfit I've been going out of our shelter uh, to try and acquire some of the some of the creature comforts that you're that you're used to. Mm. Unsuccessfully, uh, I will. No, I will immediately. I was going to say I hadn't noticed any. So no, I, know, I appreciate I the effort, though. And so I kind of wanted to talk to you about maybe like revisiting my role in the library because I've yes. been a junior librarian for I think about a year. Mm, probably about a year. I mean, no, usually when I say things in this tone of voice, that turns out to be correct. So, uh, if I do a self review, yes. like the junior librarian thing, I have not been a great librarian, have I? Well, the whole conserving books part is definitely yes. something that needs a lot of work. Yes, I mean, so I haven't, I haven't actively destroyed a lot. But recently, shush, keeping it organized has, has not been the highest priority as, as, as much as making the library into a place that, that, that fulfills what I consider its potential. So I wonder if there is a space in your library, because I understand as a senior librarian, yeah. it's yours, for a ranger. A ranger? Yeah, because then I can wear this hat, see? It's not a very smart hat. Thank you. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if the library requires a lot of ranging. Okay. I, I mean, will, I would have, I will, I would have gone, make, gone. Let me make a pitch to you. Yes, Because I, I think that that's not the case. Like, I've encountered several life forms in this yes. library that do require some, some maintenance. Like, the situation with the Velibraptors. Now, you mentioned that that was exacerbated when I arrived. I don't yes. think I necessarily caused it. I Same with the dromedaries. Yes, exactly. And, like, who has protected the library from them? I assume the raccoons. 
Oh, raccoons you... didn't. Hey, the raccoons right, didn't build a fucking no, true, for the true, true, And so you, yes. Yeah, right. And and so I think that maybe that there's a place for me in this library to to sort of deal with the with the wildlife and find a good balance between the ecosystem and the um, book system, the the library the system. Books I mean, the, are the ecosystem. I mean, even that has problems, doesn't it? I mean, you you have the grimoire caves that yes. are not allowed inside. And well, and, and no, I didn't say you weren't growl. allowed. I said you was like would be unwise to go in there. There's a big difference. And there's a lot of locks. So for your safety, it's like yes, thank you. Like, let me put it like this: if you are inside the grimoire cage and the door happens to close behind you, they are not locked in there with you. You are locked in there with them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fully aware of that, but it's also something that I can work toward. Like, mm. those books deserve attention too. The, uh, right? And, and so do the... I mean, even the lowly bookworm that has been the, the, the staple of my diet in, in many of the early in the early weeks. Mm. Like, Have you tried hebdomadary yet? Fuck no. Mm. Like, no, that, I think so. Kind of like frying a jellyfish, wouldn't it? Would I've it? Never, I've never fried a jellyfish. It's just membranes, man. Is there such a thing strawberry jellyfish? <laughs> <laughs> KY jellyfish. <laughs> oh. No, thank you. I've no, heard a lot of exactly. properties that they sometimes have. They say so, something about not sticking your dick and crazy, just... but like. <laughs> listen, you don't have to decide right now. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm comfortable in my role as a, as a junior librarian, but just just think about it and like think about mm-hmm. the, the the discoveries that I've made. I'm continuing to make in my in my yeah. little leather bound journal over here. Did you make that in the uh, book repair lab? Uh, book I repair? did. Yeah, I, I so. did. The book you've, you've been applying yourself into the, the art of bookkeeping. Very good. Yes, I have in fact made a book that I'm no. that I'm currently writing. So I think that 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 sort of counts. And since we've talked about perhaps like holding another open day and maybe inviting. Hmm. some people in and, you know, making a little money on the side by providing them with some entertainment. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say, like, libraries are not for entertainment, but they obviously are. They so, are. yeah, so that's and, not... And that's, for education. Yes, that too. So I was, like, thinking, rather than ranger, I was thinking more like concierge, custodian. Custodian? Isn't that what the raccoons are? That would technically put you in charge of them. Okay, okay, no, that's a, that's a fucking, that's a don't, sword of Damocles that you're dangling over my head. Do you want a leadership function? The, no, 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 not over raccoons. Can oh. you imagine uh. that? Like, they're the, the, the little rebels. Well. They, I mean, they did kidnap and replace each of us No, for I think a you while. just got lost. Yeah, I mean, one of and us. The, one and of they us tried to make did, the best, they, I think you got lost, and then they tried to make the best of the situation by to providing them a source of continuity, which I think is like their dedication to the library. Wow. I mean, Every time I'm, that this no, happens, I'm, I'm reminded why you were the senior librarian. No, like you, you, you understand this so much. Okay, so I will leave it. I will leave it in your hands. But in the meantime, uh, uh, perhaps we ought to discuss this week's book oh, right, because it's yes, a doozy. We, I did manage to get some, some reading in uh, in between the storm. Uh, so, so did I. Um, totally yes. read this book just um, like you. This week's book is by E.E. E. Doc Smith in collaboration with Gordon Eklund. Yes, it's a collaboration. I love those. It is Lord Tedrick, the Black Knight of the Iron Sphere. Yes, and if you look down at your podcasting device, you should should be seeing the cover of today's book. And if not, you can find an image in the show notes uh, and a link. Or you can check us out at CoverMyAssCast.com and check out episode 65 to, 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 to see the cover of this week's book, Lord Tedrick by E.E. Uh, e. Doc... I can't, I can't really say quote marks without just pausing. Like, Doc is his nickname. E.E. E. Doc Smith. Maybe he was a doctor. Who, I'm pretty who sure that under... Doc Smith is pretty much the way he went. Like, E.E. E. Doc Smith is just how it's put on the books. And, like, I think Doc and... Smith is just more like the, the way to go. 
And there's a lot going on in this cover. Oh. So Lord Tedrick is in a, in, a, is in a big, bold font, Black Knight of the Iron Sphere. There's a, there's a dark, sort of starry blue background. Yes. You can tell that this book was published in 1979, because they are clearly holding not lightsabers in their hands. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, I think that one was described as the whip sword. The whip the sword, whip yes. sword, because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a flexible, it's almost like a, like a monofill. Is that what you call it? Like a, like a monofill no. weapon? No, no, monofill weapons are a staple for the cyberpunk diet. I think yeah. it was... Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny yes, Mnemonic, the... where you can see the first time. Although it was like described more as a rainbow scintillation rather than the weird red... Sort of laser spark. Glow, yeah, yeah, glowing disc that it was in the movie. But yeah, the idea was... Uh, I think it was portrayed fairly well. This looks more like the, the sticks that they used for mimicking the lightsaber fight. Uh, oh, the, yeah. They're the, sort of the thin reedy... Rod, reedy rods which were just coloured. I think in the recent films, like they had, they had proper like LED uh, staves... Um, yeah, so that they could they could glow on the actors' faces. Oh, that makes sense. And yeah, they don't have to have that imposed. Because yeah, the original one that they they, they started out with was with um, UV rea- sticks with UV reactive paint. Yeah, which were rotating actually. Oh, yeah, basically a broom handle with several strips of reflective tape glued onto it, and it was rotating to create a uh, scintillating oh, effect, wow. and that and that didn't work at all. <laughs> so they ended up ended up like doing it in post. That was the that, that was the original <laughs> idea behind. Yes, yeah, so and you could also see him mouthing the lightsaber sound. Because he could no, that, that was uh, that, that was uh, <laughs> that was Ewan McGregor. They had to stop him from doing that. Like, no, we're yeah. going to. You don't have to make the sounds. We're going to do that later. Oh, and I think it was also Laura Dern who played Admiral Holdo in The Last Jedi. Like when she finally grabs a gun, like it, you could clearly see her going pew 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 pew. pew. <laughs> Yes. Oh, there was a fantastic interview scene with Hugh McGregor. They actually gave him one of those prop lightsabers, and it's like, and he was just like, he started swinging around. The, the host goes like, "Oh, you're pretty good with that." It's like, I spent three years doing this. Of course, I'm good at this. Like, yes, yes. And for each one of those, like, you've got months and months of training with expert fencers. Exactly. They, they, they did still stupid amounts of training swinging those things around. So yes, of course, he knows how to swing a lightsaber and make it look good. He still acted well, we it out. We thought like, you were just acting. Yes, exactly. But you actually, yes, well, acting is doing when it comes to swinging things. (laughs) But But anyway, yes, Lord Tedrick. Yes, this takes place in a a, a world, and we'll get to the the synopsis in just a second if you you, you care to regale our audience with that. Um, uh, but this takes place in a universe where people don't go to the movies anymore because that's all just way too fake. And what they want is live musical theatre. Because that's ultimately like those are real people doing the singing and dancing and jumping around and and, and waving their whips with an actual orchestra playing the music. Yes, exactly. And uh, even the fact that they have to play it every day and twice on a Saturday, they're still like, doing it. They're still doing it. I mean, I guess that's the whole point of musicals. The appreciation like, of authenticity. Yeah, I think what we're seeing here is yeah. either the rehearsal or the first performance of the play that we're referring to, Lord Tedrick, which is of course the missing Shakespeare play, the lost Shakespeare, the lost Shakespeare play, Shakespeare as play. mentioned in the right. in the yes, synopsis. Let, let me read that. For yes, you, yes, yes. The musical stage productions have evolved to the point where dance fights are as deadly as real ones, and Michael Flatley the Fourteenth, down on his fortune, is lured into an anarchic production of the lost Shakespeare play, Lord Tedrick. But it was lost for a reason, and the aliens who buried it have no intention of letting this harmless farce reach the stage. And so, on the cover, I mean, we see, obviously, Michael Flatley the Fourteenth, the, the broad-chested, mm-hmm. wild-haired, leg-kicking, tights-wearing gentleman on the front, but we also With see the intense glare of the of, of one of the aliens mentioned on the on, on the cover I sort of appreciated that the aliens didn't introduce themselves with their with their name like they were they were they continue to be described as the primates mm. which is sort of what like they're they're blue 
they have pointy ears, uh, they have sort of snarling mouths, but... Yeah, I was going to say Rafiki from The Lion King, but... Uh, oh, that's a baboon, isn't it? Is it? I think so, but yeah, baboon. Thank you very much for the squash bananas, I never really understood that, but okay. Is that what Asante Sana means? Yes, it's a thank you very much. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> it is. I also like that. Asante, thank you. Asante Sana, thank you very much. Uh, other than that, on the front cover, we have the female lead of the play, uh, Princess Drinking Beauty. <laughs> yes, Princess Drinking Beauty. Uh, I thought that was a very curious name. I mean, we see her on the cover here, sort of shying away in a, in a, in a rather revealing costume, as was typical of this, of this era of sci-fi. Uh, uh, she seems to be sort of, oh no, a conflict. I am but a poor woman. We're talking about dance fights here, so it's yeah. like there's a lot of that going on. And this is clearly the situation where the aliens are trying to um, mess up the play, yes. as they were going to do. And she's like sh- shying away from the actual deadly dance fight. I mean, like a lightsaber has nothing on a properly executed pirouette. Oh, or a, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. These, these dancers are fucking savage. She has learned her choreography from Bob Fosse the 14th. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, 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 the descendant of a, a famous Earth choreographer, which is the only reason that the human theatre performers are able to stand up against the primates who want to stop the production of not just Lord Tedrick, but all of the, of the lost plays, including uh, Romeo and Ethel, the pirate daughter. <laughs> yes. Uh, one of, one She's of, one of the pirates of Penzance. <laughs> <laughs> One of Shakespeare's plays that the that the primates hid, uh, and his other famous play, All the Single Ladies, oh, which mean, which has a lot of dancing in it, that one. and and high heels, and you you put your hands up, because these primates, as we as we realized, they discovered uh, Shakespeare through. Do you, do you know the concept of the infinite monkeys theorem? If you take an infinite amount of monkeys and you have them banging away on typewriters, eventually one of them will produce the complete works of Shakespeare. And that's what happened with the primates, isn't it? Oh. That's how they, just banging away on keyboards, texting to each other over, over, over millennia of yeah. spacefaring civilizations, eventually they accidentally produced the complete works of Shakespeare, including the lost plays, such as All the Single Ladies and Romeo and Ethel, the Pirate's Daughter, and Lord Tetric and Razzmatazz. Mm. And they evidently, suffered some some horrible cataclysm uh, that led to them wanting to erase these plays from the rest of the universe. So this is kind of a like a reverse infinite monkey theorem. They came up with it first, and then at some point, They're a good. human writer... We find this out fairly early on in the book, that Lord Tendrick um, yes. contains a scene which, especially when choreographed as a dance routine, uh-huh. turns out to be a fair folk blood rite. No, the, the the fair folk, of course, being the very kind name for the mythical creatures. The fae, of, the she, whatever uh, you want to call them. Yeah, uh, of the Albion Islands uh, mythology, the, the, the Celts and the, and the Gales. Uh, our story begins while Michael Flatley the 14th is, is finishing his last performance of Feet of Flames, the, mm. the sort of rocket boot tap dancing <laughs> yes. uh, uh, extravaganza. Pretty huge mortality rate both among the dancers and the audience. There's a lot of shrapnel coming off. And- Exactly. It's like, you know, that's the stage of dance fighting, is, you know, where a perfectly executed wet en tournant can decapitate like half the audience <laughs> yes. if like, the actor gets his angle wrong and it like doesn't go into the safety zone. It's yeah. like, you know, when you like go to a dolphinarium or something where they have a killer whale orca show and like at the oh, front yeah. they have the splash zone. You they will kind, get wet. They kind of have things like that in theaters here. Like, like you've got the death zone.
zone and the splash zone. <laughs> and like the death zone is like, like, it's not like you're guaranteed to die, but it's like there's no refunds if you do. Uh, no, and you would expect that nobody takes, them, takes anyone there. Nobody goes there. But that's a really popular spot. Those are really popular is. seats for first dates. It is. Because we're going to like live on the edge and whichever one of us makes it out. If we both make it out, then we know that we've got But something. also when you've got a famous troupe, you know, like when you've got a well-established troupe, oh, yeah. which knows that they can pull it off and they will not kill their audience, then it becomes a bit of a thing to sit there. There is a sort of point of pride to being able to offer a death zone that people actually do show up for. I mean, it gives a whole new meaning to the term red carpet, but it's... And our, our sort of eagle-chested, red, uh, unitarded uh, Michael Flatley the Fourteenth is certainly one of those performers who can command a nearly full death zone in the in the audience. I mean, that's in front of the what are the what are the seat names called again? Like you've got the gods and the stalls and the wings and the balcony and, and the nosebleeds. That's in yeah. stadiums, but yeah, yeah. so that's. Yeah. I don't know. But, like, gods are worse than stalls, which is kind of I mean, because the gods are way up there, and they've got, like... Oh, is that what it is? I think they look down on the head. I think that's the thing. It's like, I mean, I've, like, been to theatres where you, like, had to go into the cheap seats. And, like, yeah, you're sitting up way... the expensive seats are, like, boxes which suck. You're off to the side. You you don't see the backdrop. But I guess you're more there to be seen than to see. I think that's the part of the thing. You don't want to, like, be bothered and hustled and you can get your drink on you can get a quick hand job on the uh, side when nobody's like nobody's going to see oh really okay so you've clearly had more theatre experience than I have well certain like man of the world it's like you could say that I am yeah Uh, anyway uh, moving uh, swiftly on but I was was trying to make a connection between the man of the world and the black knight of the iron sphere but I I think so uh, he's just announced his next production of of Lord Tedrick his announcement is, is interrupted because as soon as these words leave his mouth and they're broadcast across the, 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 the social media of whatever future civilization uh, Earth has, has achieved. It's intercepted by the, uh, by the simian civilization who arrive in force and declare that no, no, we will not permit the performance of Lord Tedrick. Centuries ago, we traveled to Earth to excise this fave, Play, fair yes. folk blood rite from, the, uh, yes. uh, from your literature and I don't know how you've 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 recovered it, but you must not perform it. Turns out that like there's a upcoming cosmic conjunction event going on, uh, and uh, oh, one of those cosmic like syzygies. Oh, I suppose. Do you know what a syzygy is? I, I've heard the name before. I can't. I don't it. either. I know, I know that it comes uh. up in in some science fiction programs. I think it's supposed to mean like a planetary alignment, but our planets don't do that, do they? Oh well, yes, our planets align all the time. Not all of them. Well, I think they no, can't. I, I, they can't, no. I think it's absolutely Neptune impossible. Cannot. Also, the thing is, like, uh, viewed from Earth, they don't have to be in line from the sun. Like, that is true. More importantly is the fact that, like, Lord Tedrick, of course, originally wasn't a dance production. Uh, no. It wasn't, wasn't really a thing back in uh, Shakespeare's days, I suppose. But they've, uh, the, the aliens have realized that, like, in the, the cosmic event in, co- in combination with the dance conjunction will be a uh, <laughs> bit of a problematic situation because it will perform the fair folk blood rite, which will eventually summon the beast with two backs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The beast with two backs is known for, for like being covered in horns. It's a very horny creature, isn't it? It is very much so. And it and it's just undulating and writhing and it's and it, and it's got all of these humps. It's a, it's a, it's a very humpy, horny kind of creature, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And it's and it and it's known to like penetrate its 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 participants and and oh it's yeah. just, it's a savage. It's, it's just, uh, another expression that Shakespeare came up with. 
Oh, it is, wow. it, is, it is from Othello. Oh, wow. That's incredible because I know it. I, I, I mean, I know it as a, as a metaphor for, you know, fuck it. It is. Okay. And that's what Shakespeare came <laughs> Because he couldn't say fuck it, could he? Probably not. No, like, oh. like your wife and what's his face are making like the beast with two bags. And yes, and he just expected his audience to understand that I think well, they he could. made all these sex jokes. There was some... Oh, there were lots of them. I mean, the whole name, Much Ado About Nothing, nothing in the time was like a euphemism for the, the, the female uh, for sex vaginas. For, yeah, vaginas. Oh, no thing. Yeah, oh, much, okay. much ado about nothing. That was exactly what the play he happens. Had to be. tons of sex jokes. I, I learned about a troupe out in uh, in in England who does original pronunciation yeah. versions. Where and they thought initially like they do this as a as a, a sort of a, a cultural curiosity because if they do it in original Shakespearean like 15th century English, people wouldn't understand it. But yeah. I mean, you can actually you can actually handle it pretty well. Okay, but when you do it in the original translation, certain Usually, sex jokes emerge. Like yeah. there's a there's a there's a sequence from, and I forget the play. I humiliate myself. This is why I'm not such a good librarian. I should be a mm-hmm. better ranger. Where where a sea captain is musing about mortality. He sort of uses a metaphor like fruit hanging on a tree, and hour by hour we ripe and ripe. You know, fruit going yeah. ripe, and hour by hour we rot and rot, and thereby hangs a tale. But when you say it in the in the way that it would have been pronounced in the 15th century, it would be and hour by hour we rape and rape. <laughs> yes. Hour by hour we rot and rot, and thereby hangs a tale. And that's yeah. certainly when a sea captain says that. You know, yeah, I can see how that a was going. A young sailor gets yeah. a very different message. Yeah, that's the thing is when Iago is reading a, a letter and he goes like, oh, it, it must be from her because I recognize her by her lovely C-U auntie. <laughs> 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 wow! Which is played straight, of course, but the rest of the play, all the other characters are making fun of him. And it's <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, Shakespeare clearly contributed a lot, but these primates have decided that there, that there should be no more. And uh, while the, the, the last victims from the death zone are being carried away, who got blasted by his, his rocket boots from Feet of Flames performance, uh, they decide... Uh, that this will be decided through a dance fight, sending down their 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 best dancer. It's, it's not really like it's been like they decide it's going to be decided by a dance fight. It's, they send down a fighter to like make sure that Michael Flatley the Fourteenth doesn't uh, pull off his uh, performance at the right time. I mean, all the all the rehearsals, everything's gone fine, and nobody's running any problem. And that's why they're going like, "What are you going on about? There's no there's no problem. We're not like summoning anybody. Like, first of all, that the, it's a blood right, so no blood has to flow. And right. secondly, like we've done this a dozen times, and we've had accidents during the pre-production." And no, nothing has ever happened. Of course, the aliens know that it has to be done during the time of the cosmic conjunction, which is coming uh, up. Which and is the, coming up, and the and dance conjunction, especially coincidentally, exactly at the time of the premiere. And they decide that, like, okay, yes, we're going to have to, uh, like. Stop this! And they send their, their one of their fighters to come on down and like physically stop Michael Flatley the first. And of course, it turns into a dance fight because he knows what kind of damage he can do with his uh, pirouettes and his uh, kick flicks. Oh yeah, yeah. Certainly, when you're when you're a simian and you have additional agility. So when he does one of those, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a famous dance, uh, a popular sort of fad dance, which he uses to sort of get the the crowd on his side and do some significant damage to uh, uh, Michael Flatley. Uh, uh, the brain duster followed by a pile driver like these were fun <laughs> yes. these were fun dances that people did together and yeah there'd be some injuries now and then but uh, oh, sorry speaking of pile driver like this is gonna, <laughs> Whoa, where this, is this going this to is going to turn into another like Kay and uh, Kaki described the internet, the internet. Oh, no. <laughs> this is like a fun play like a few building instructors somewhere in Asia and they've got this big post standing in there and they've got this cross post on top of it yeah. like four dudes climb on top of this and then they do this little jumpy dance thing where, they, where they literally drive this post into the ground what? by the 
like it's they're literally doing a pile driver dance. That's apparently, so cool. And they're singing a little song while they're doing it, and apparently it's like some really dirty ditty about like someone's wife, you know, <laughs> having posts driven into them or, or something <laughs> no, like. But no, it's a it's a Portuguese like carnival song, and it's about how my neighbor in the next apartment lets me park my car in her garage, and I'm, and I'm oh, wow. driving my car into and out of her garage, and she doesn't mind. And I'm like, it gets right, proper that sounds kind of like a kind yeah. of carnivalesque song that you would expect. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, uh, uh. Michael Flatley, who's just been surprised by these amazing dance moves, the the, the brain dust and pine driver, uh, returns with uh, with a really graceful like suplex. Mm. He even gets the, the the help of Princess Drinking Beauty to perform a a perfect choke slam. Like these are <laughs> such graceful dances. It's amazing, and really, I love how Doc Smith manages to describe the aesthetic beauty that a dance performance is in literature yes, work. I, I like, like that too. What was your favorite passage? What was your favorite? Hey Kay, what yeah. was your favorite? Description of these of these great lines from E. Doc Smith and Gordon Eklund. What, well, what was your favorite moment where he described something really cool? I think I think that was where, uh, right towards the end of the fight when yeah. it looks like Michael Flatley the Fourteenth is about to deliver the killing blow. Oh yeah! Uh, and instead, uh, the character of Falstaff, played by Dirk Solomon, uh, steps <laughs> in to catch the deadly slash. And it kind of like backfires. Oh, no, I agree. That was so beautiful and tragic because I. I I've always had a little soft spot for Falstaff. Like uh, he's the he's the fool, but I mean, this must be the fourth Shakespeare play that he shows up in. Yeah, the others being Romeo and Ethel, the pirate's daughter, and <laughs> I think it's more like King Richard one, two, and three. But it's like yeah, and, 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 one, and, yeah. and King Richard, King and, Richard four, part one, yeah. and four, part two, and King Richard first blood, part three. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Yes, and of course in in Hill City Blues. Are you sure that's not, we're not dealing with last week's episode? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Well, only only facing forward, only facing forward, which is what uh, uh, what Dirk Solomon playing Falstaff tells uh, 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 Michael Flatley. Just as he dies from the blood loss, which has been uh, caused by uh, Michael Flatley's dance moves, thereby starting to trigger the, the dance conjunction. The cosmic event has finally been completed, and uh, despite all of their efforts, the primates are in fact responsible for... Bringing the, out the beast with two backs. It, it it kind of got Lovecraftian at this point. Fortunately, Princess Drinking Beauty has her bottle of Veuve Clicquot on hand. Uh, and this oh, is like, what? Veuve Clicquot, it's a champagne brand. That sounds lovely, yeah. It, it, it's, quite, right. it's quite nice. Like, like a proper Glaswegian lass, like, <laughs> smashes the back, the back of the bottle on the banister. Oh, yeah, and, she fucking glasses it. And she just shanks the beast with two backs. And it's, yep, yep. She just totally obliterates him, Gangnam style. It's that's so hardcore. <laughs> she, she mashes his potato. Yeah, more like stab and twist rather than mash. But, yeah, it's... <laughs> it's stab nothing, and twist. Nothing I would ever do to a poor potato. And finally, like, see, the primate dance warrior giving his life to defeat the beast with two backs like willing to sacrifice himself plunging his chest onto the onto the the, the glass bottle that princess drinking beauty is, is 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 holding michael flatley like he understands some of the sincerity behind yeah. the, the the primate's desires not to have this performed and cradling the, the the primate dance warrior in his arms as he dies he grants him that most solemn of honors uh, and he stands up and he and he leads the audience in the great ritual of mourning of the passing of the hero 
the Macarena. And <laughs> quietly and solemnly, they reach forward and they cross their arms and they wiggle their hips and, mm. and welcome the primates into, into the community of man. Fortunately, since the cosmic event has passed, the production of Lord Tedrick can go ahead. But it oh, is, in course. fact, at the end of every performance, they still do the Macarena to honour the primate aliens. To, uh, who never gave his name, name. and died nameless, the, the nameless dancer who saved the galaxy. And of course, they finish every one of these, these Macarenas with that, that famous dance move introduced by Bob Fosse the 14th jizz hands and that brings us to the conclusion of this book and I thought it was a fucking doozy I thought it was it was amazing we can hardly recommend Lord Tedrick Black Knight of the Iron Spheres but how are we going to rate this book well we can't rate it in common time Um, (laughs) okay so it's not four on the floor exactly alright this book went all over the place it did a bit didn't it what's a good tempo measure type thing oh okay so you've got the you've got the quick step you've got the fox trot you've got got 15 thick 16s which is a bit crazy but (laughs) yeah Yes. Seven eighths? Seven eighths. That's like uh, Salisbury Hill, isn't it? By Peter I Gilbert? think it is, yes. All right, so seven out of eight. Seven out of eight. I'll give it that. Salisbury Hill. I can see the city lights. Yes, let's not go into a rendition of this because, like, we're. Why not? It's probably better. I don't remember all the lyrics. I probably could shout along with most of them. Son, he said, grab your things, I've come to take you. Yes, I'll give it seven eighths. That's wonderful. And speaking of reviews, you can leave a review of your own if you look down at your podcasting device right now and maybe, maybe your podcasting uh, application will let you leave a review. Ideally, of an episode that you haven't listened to yet, but otherwise, you can just leave us a few stars. We'd love to hear from you at covermyascast at gmail.com. We're Cover My Askcast on Twitter and on the web at covermyascast.com. Gosh, we're everywhere and we hope to have some news for you soon about that open day that we're going to organise. Yes, we'd love to see anybody there who can make it if we can actually get it around to organise. Don't be pessimistic. No, I'm sure uh, we can. We'll try and figure out whether we can open a portal into the library. Hey, we haven't done that in a while. Oh, uh, no, maybe no, in well, Croydon, the in, the, in, the, in the south of London. Croydon, right? se- Croydon seems to be linguistically uh, appropriate location for that. Yeah, exactly. So let's let's see if you've got something to do on the on, uh, on the twenty fifth of April in Croydon, and we'll we'll just see whether you can maybe make it to our open join day. us in the library. But in the meantime, what do we have in store for our readers next week? Next week's book is by Chris Manyard. It's called Manifold Destiny: The One, The Only Guide to Cooking on Your Car engine. That about it. Thank you for joining us at Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we, we only, only judge a book by its cover. cover. And we're never dance the night. Let's try some of these dance moves, by the way. Dance, dance, wherever you can be. I am the Lord, Lord of the dance, dance and he. Oh, no, that's too much. That's wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the dance and he. That's wonderful. You might rocket boots. Couldn't get them through customs. <laughs> 